Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We've been in this series called 10, and we've been talking about, again, different qualities of a disciple. Matthew chapter 28 In verse 19, the Bible says, Jesus says, go and make disciples to all nations. He's baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. So Jesus is speaking and saying, I want you to go and make disciples, showing us the importance of what a disciple is. Then Jesus talks about all throughout the scripture, how he tells his his guys, he says, hey, I want you to come and follow me. Deny yourself to be a disciple. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And so we know the importance of being a disciple for Christ. Now, we've been talking about it all series long, and that is this. We do not think that discipleship or being a disciple takes the place of believing in Jesus. Believing in Jesus comes first. It is how we start our walk with him. It is how we receive salvation. You can't earn it. You can't, we don't deserve it. There's nothing you can do to get it. It's us believing in him. And through them believing in him, it can't just stop there. James talks about in, in the book of James, he says, faith without works is dead. So we believe, but then from believing, there's this overflow of now desiring to walk out and live the way God has created us and called us to live. And so how do we do that? Through discipleship and being a disciple of Christ. So that's what we've been talking about. And I wanna to talk to you today We've been talking about all different uh, types of characteristics or uh, qualities of a disciple. We are on week six, so if you missed some of those other weeks, you can catch up online. Uh, you can go at experienceourchurch.com or you can go to our YouTube channel, Experience Our Church. You know we're we're getting we're kind of becoming a big deal. We got like ten subscribers on YouTube, so we you, you we would love for you to subscribe to our YouTube tube channel. We're almost influencers. We're real close. And so we're super excited about that. You know, we're going to start having uh, commercials that, sh- that, that, that talk about, you know, aging younger, you know, just so we can, I'm just joking, but we would love for you to check out those other website, those other uh, sermons. That being said, today I want to talk to you about the quality. And again, none of these qualities are in order, meaning not one's more important than the other. We believe they're all important and there are more than 10 of them. We just are taking 10 out of the scripture that we see are vital in our relationship and our walk with God. Today, I want to talk to you about the quality of a disciple is one who walks in purity, walks in purity. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That's what purity is, is one who denies themselves, take up their cross, and they follow him. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5 It says, this is a message we have heard from him and declare to him, declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He says, if we say that we have fellowship, we believe in him. If we say we have fellowship with him, if we say we believe in him, we walk with him. He says, but then we walk in the darkness that we do not live out the truth and we are not walking 
and the light. And so this is what we're talking about today, walking in purity. And this is what I wrote down, that believing makes me pure. Discipleship helps me remain pure. Jesus makes us pure. He is the one that takes us from death to life. He is the one that takes us from unclean to clean. He is the one that takes us from unpure to pure. We cannot do that ourselves. We are not able to become pure in our own strength. We are not able to become clean in our own strength. We are not able to become alive in Christ in our own strength. Jesus is the one that does that, and it takes us believing in him. It's a free gift. All we have to do is believe. But then after believing, now discipleship is now, I've been clean and I've been pure. Now discipleship is now, I want to walk out and follow Jesus so that I can continue to remain pure and remain clean in my life. It's like this door. I know you're wondering why in the world is the door here. I'm glad you asked. It's like this door. See, we're we're once in our old life, the Bible says that Jesus, he comes and he forgives us when we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. Then he, the Bible says that we die to our old life. The old life is behind the door. He closes that door. That door is gone. It says no longer. It says we're new creations in Christ. So now the door is, the door is closed in our old life. And now discipleship, that's what Jesus is believing does. Now discipleship is now walking out and living the new life that God has for us. And this is what walking in purity looks like. It's discipleship. It's, I want to continue to remain in purity. It's not just I want God to make me pure. I want to remain in a life walking out in purity because this is the life that I know God, one, has for me, but they can continue to bless me in that life. It's so important that we understand that. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 is really the text I want to give you today that we'll kind of, we'll kind of stay in. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and that you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Many of you have heard this story and know this story. This is Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden, and this is where the fall of man, this is where sin entered the world, and God says, listen, you can eat from any tree. Just don't eat from the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says the serpent comes, and he starts to tempt Eve, and the Bible says that he says, hey, what did God say? Did God say you can't eat from any tree? And he says, no, 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 that's not what God said. God says we can't eat from only the one tree. And he says, okay, well, If you do that, I just want you to know you're not going to die. Don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. You're not going to die. God knows that you'll be more like him if you do. Then the scripture says she's convinced. She sees the beauty. She desires it. She takes it. She eats it. She passes it to her husband. They both eat the fruit. And then all of a sudden, shame enters their hearts. This is what sin does. Shame enters their hearts. And the Bible says they begin to cover themselves because of the shame in their lives. And from this text, these seven simple verses I see some things on what I believe it takes for us as disciples to be people that walk in purity. 
Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 3, we just read it, it's only the fruit. This is what Eve says. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we must not be allowed to eat. God said you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And he says, you won't die. Serpent says, ah, you won't die. It's interesting because she says, it's only the one tree. And then he says, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You won't die. Trying to belittle, trying to minimize what God asked them to do. The Bible says in Song of Songs, chapter two and verse 15, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines for our vines have tender grapes. The little foxes that spoil the vines. I wrote this down if you're taking notes. Believers don't see the small foxes. Disciples sweat the small foxes. Believers don't see the small foxes. Disciples sweat the small, the small foxes. Eve says, oh, it's just this one tree. It's only one tree. Serpent says, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Trying to make the small fox, the situation, the decision, just not that, to minimize it, to make it not that big of a deal. But God says, hey, I want you to be careful because here's what I know. Those small foxes lead to, a, to situations and struggles that are way beyond our control. And so this is what happened. Here's what happens when we allow or open the door to small foxes in our lives, just like Eve did. It leads us to a life of shame. It leads us to a life of pain. It leads, honestly, to a life that is shattered, if you will. It's interesting because with this door, it said we it just said Jesus is the one that forgives us. We become new. We shut the door. Now we're walking deception. But oftentimes what we do is, as, 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 as people, we'll just leave the door like a, a crack. We'll just crack the door a little bit. And as we crack the door, and then we'll live our lives. But the door's cracked. So now just a part of the old life kind of just, it kind of, it messes with us a little bit. Just a little bit of the negativity that we used to have. We, 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 we're saved, but we still gossip. Or, you know what, I'm still struggling with lust. But you know what, it's okay because, you know, I, I, I know God's forgiven me. And we just leave the door a little bit cracked. And here's the problem about that. It's not the big things that destroy the vine. It's the small things. And so we can look at them as Eve did and say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But God wants us to know, yes, it is a huge deal. Why? Because those small foxes lead to a shattered life. We see all these different people who are great, incredible men and women of God, and they fall into all these different things. We see these corporations, these CEOs fall into corruption, and we see people, they, get, they go to jail because of tax fraud and all these different things. And it, it doesn't start there. It doesn't start on us cheating on our spouses. It doesn't start with being in jail because of tax fraud. It doesn't start with losing our company or our jobs because of being corrupt and cutting corners. It doesn't start when we're alone and our lives have been shattered because of the addiction that we're so stuck in that we, have to, we crave it so much that we have to have it and we give up everything else. It doesn't start there. It always starts with the small foxes. It starts with a text message. Maybe it starts with a hug. Maybe it starts with a DM. Maybe it starts with you're strapped on the bills, so you just take a little bit extra off the top. Nobody will ever know. 
Maybe it starts with, well, the, the, the government cheats us all the time, so I'll just, I'll just skim a little. I'll just lie a little bit about what I made to skim a little so I don't have to pay as much. It, it never starts with the shattered life. But this is what small foxes do, and this is why God desires for us if we call ourselves people that desire to be disciples of him, that we would evaluate our hearts and we would ask ourselves, where are the small foxes? If you're married in the room, where are the small foxes in your relationship? Because I'll say this, you're like, oh, well, we don't have any small foxes. I don't want to counsel you in two years because you aren't paying attention to the small foxes. Because here's what happens. The small foxes, even if it's just a small crack, here's what's interesting. If, it's, if this was outside, if this small crack, the outside air over time would fill up this room. As small of a crack as it is, the outside air would at some point fill up this room. What does that show us? What does that tell us? It's the same thing that the scripture's talking about. It's talking about this concept of if we're not careful and we just think, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, it's just a small thing. Oh, it's just something I've always struggled with. Oh, it's just something I always deal with. Oh, it's just, it is what it is. It's not that big of a deal. It's small. It's little. It's not going to, I'm just going to swipe the card. I know I don't have the money, but I'm just going to swipe the card because it's fine. That's not that big of a deal. I'll be fine. I'll pay it off later. And here's what happens. Then people keep swiping and swiping and swiping and swiping. They don't have it. And they get up into so much debt that they have to file for bankruptcy. It didn't start there. It starts with the small foxes. And this is what purity is. Hear me. Purity is not just sexual integrity. Okay? Purity is not just sexual integrity. It is sexual integrity. That purity is that. But purity is living in a way of where my, my, my private life and my public life meet up and they match. So here's the question we have to ask ourselves. What are the small foxes in your life? What are the things that maybe you've opened a door to? Just crack the door a little bit to. That are causing you to fall back in maybe into those past patterns. Because I'm telling you this, I know this for a fact. If we're not careful, those small foxes will spoil the vine. It'll spoil the vine to your relationship with God. They'll spoil the vine to your relationship with others. It'll leave you to a place where you're isolated, you're alone, and we, we don't even understand why. And it all comes back to because we left the door open when God was wanting us to close it. Genesis chapter three and verse six, it says the woman was convinced, <clears throat> excuse me. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Interesting. The woman was convinced. She saw it, it says. She saw how beautiful it was. She was so excited that she said, I wanted the wisdom. I want it. She takes it. She eats it. I wrote this down for if you're taking notes. Believers are controlled by self. Disciples use self-control. Believers are controlled by self. Disciples use self-control. It says she was convinced. She saw the desire. She saw it. She wanted it. She, she thought about it. And so she, just, she, she was controlled by self. And it caused her to fall into the temptation that was before her. This is what believers do. But disciples say, you know what? I'm going to use self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. And it's not a popular word. In fact, I would say we're a culture that is anti-self-control. 
a culture that says do whatever you want. A culture says that do whatever you feel. A culture says if you, your heart feels it, follow your heart. If you feel like wanting to do it, do it. If you feel like wanting to change your whole personality, go ahead. Whatever you want, it is your life. You do whatever. You're not harming anyone. Yes, you are. You're harming yourself. And we all know we fall into sin. Sin has ripple effects that affect our relationships around us. And so God has called us to be people that use self-control from these small foxes. It's like this. If I had this door, okay, here it is. There's a door, okay? Now, here's what happens. Oftentimes, what we do is we're these people that we, we ask for forgiveness. God gives us a new life, and then we go back into the same situation. We go back to the same gossip, then we ask for forgiveness, and we go back into the same lust, and then we ask for forgiveness, and then we, we get free, and then we, get, we go into the same, back to the same anger, and we get angry, and then we go, we go back into the same addiction, and we go back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. And God has called us to use self-control. Why? Because self-control does this. Self-control, Jesus shuts the door, gives us a new life. But self-control is like this key. Here's what happens. If I use self-control, I can lock this door. Now, from locking this door now, I'm not able, because I'm using self-control, I'm not able to go back into the past life. I'm not going to use the same gossip that I always used. I'm not going to use the same negativity. I'm not going to go and fall into the same lust. I'm not going to fall into the same anger. Why? Because self-control is protecting me from myself. Here's what's interesting. Wherever you live, wherever you go, you lock your doors. In fact, if you were with a friend, you get out of your car, you get out of your truck, you get out of your SUV, you walk out, and you're, you, you don't lock your door, and you're like, oh, don't worry about it. My fr your friend's like, hey, you should lock that door. And you're like, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. Don't even worry about it. I'm good. Don't worry. I'm telling you, God's going to protect me. Your friend's going to look at you and say, yeah, God's going to protect you, and guess what else is going to happen? Everybody's going to steal all your stuff. Why? Because God protects us by using wisdom to use the concept of locking the door with the key. It's the same thing spiritually. If we were so, if we understand the concept of protection to the point of where we'll lock our doors and our cars and our homes and our neighborhood, we are so understanding of the protection by locking our doors, then why wouldn't we do the same thing with our spiritual walk? Self-control is the key. Hear me, hear me. Self-control is the key to walking in purity. It's not praying more. <gasps> you're a pastor. You're telling me not to pray? That's not what I said. I'm saying it's a fruit of the Spirit, meaning it's something God has already given us. The Bible says when we accept Christ, we are now, the Holy Spirit now dwells in us in the fruit of the Spirit. Not the gifts, the fruit, meaning the fruit is, a, is, a, is what comes out. It's already in us. The fruit is self-control. So we already have self-control. We just have to use it. If we really want to walk in purity in our lives, we have to use self-control. We have to be willing to lock away the things in our lives that keep us from doing God, forgive me. God, forgive me. 
I need you. Oh, I need you. Yeah, we need him because we're not mature enough. Now, we always need him in every other area, but we need him in this area to forgive us again because we're not mature enough just to... I'm going to break the door. To shut the door and lock it. This is what self-control does. Now, I want to give you four things I see in this verse, in verse 6, of how we are called to do and use self-control. Yes, I said four things, and yes, I only have 10 minutes left, so we're going to see how fast I can go. Verse 6, it says she was convinced, and it says she saw. We have to use self-control with our eyes and what we look at. This concept in our culture is look but don't touch. Look but don't touch. Look but don't touch. You can swipe. You can like. Whatever. Look but don't touch. Look but don't touch. But Jesus actually comes along and says, hey, if you even look at a person with lust, you've committed the, sin, the act of the sin. So Jesus knows it's not just about doing, it's about looking. And so we need to be people that protect and guard our eyes. Jesus goes a step further and he says, if it's your eyes are calling, causing you to sin, he says, pluck them out. Whoa, Jesus. Why do I say this? because he's trying to show us the importance of us understanding self-control. If that app is causing you to sin, self-control is not just, oh, I'm gonna pray. Don't let me see anything bad today. No, it's, it's removing the app off of your phone. If it's a relationship situation, it's not, oh God, give me control in the relationship. Give me control in the relationship. No, it's saying self-control is, I, I know I can't, I can't be in this relationship because I'm gonna continue to fall into this relationship. I need to remove myself from this relationship. Self-control. The way that we look at the things that we look. Also goes with comparison. Comparison, we need to use self-control. We live in a world that is consumed with comparison, with comparing ourselves to one another. Everybody's doing it better than we are. There's always somebody that looks better than you. There's always somebody that has more money than you. There's always somebody that's going to have a nicer car. There's always somebody that's going to have a nicer, a nicer job. There's always going to be somebody that's making more money. There's always going to be somebody that's got a better house. There's always going to be somebody that's on a nicer trip. There's always going to be somebody. It doesn't matter what we do, there will always be someone doing it better. And here's the problem about comparison. Comparison robs the joy of today and what God has given us today. And then it causes us to complain If we would just protect and guard our eyes and use self-control in our eyes, we would never get caught up in comparing. And then we, next thing you know, instead of complaining, we're saying we're grateful and we're thanking God for what we have. Because you know what's crazy? There are people that are comparing themselves to you. Just like there's always someone that has more than you do, there's someone looking at you and saying they have more than I do. And it's a pursuit of the enemy that will cause us to get so caught up in thinking that we have to have more, we have to have more, we have to have more, and it's just completely all it does is it just steals joy in our hearts. And then it'll get us to, get us to the point of where we'll allow small foxes, things of negativity, complaining, small foxes to get into our heart, all because we're caught up in comparing ourselves with one another. Self-control with our eyes. Then it says she saw it was delicious and looked, looked and she wanted the wisdom. She wanted the wisdom. We have to use self-control with our thoughts. The Bible says to take captive of every thought. 
Bible also talks about strongholds, and strongholds are actually, and if you look at the text in the biblical context, strongholds are our our lives, our thoughts are, are so overwhelming that actually they put us in a prison. The Bible says that we're to take captive of every thought, meaning put your thoughts in prison. The interesting thing is we're to put our thoughts in prison, but what we often do because we don't use self-control is we allow our thoughts to put us in a prison. And so this is why we're to take captive our thoughts. Why? Because if, if we don't, it's gonna lead us to a place of where we're so far down the road doing things or saying things or acting way. Or if you're an anxious person, you're thinking about all the what ifs that could happen 20 years from now. And it robs us of today. Take, take captive of your thought. The battle always starts in your mind. Then he, she, it says right here, she, she saw it, she wanted it, and she took self-control on her hands. Self-control, four different ways we use self-control. Self-control in our, uh, in our eyes, in our thoughts, in our hands. If it's not your spouse, what does this mean? It means this, if it's not your spouse, don't touch them. If it's not your money, don't touch it. If it's a bad business deal and you haven't prayed, and you haven't asked God, don't sign the paperwork. If you don't have the money, don't swipe the card. <gasps> who are you to tell me this stuff? I'm just telling you, this is what self-control is. It's saying, even though I desire, I'm gonna be more mature than what I desire. And I'm gonna say, God, I'm gonna allow you to lead me. So I'm gonna use self-control in where I am today because I know if I use self-control today, God, you're gonna take care of tomorrow. If it's not yours, don't go after it. It's not your money, don't go out. If it's not your company, don't, 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 don't take it. If it. I'll still go a step further. If, it, if, if, it's, if it's the government's money, Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar. If it's, not, if it's the government's money, don't touch it. <gasps> I'm just telling you what Jesus said. You can get mad at me all you want. Well, they charge 30 front. In the end, God's the one that blesses us. And he's gonna be the one to take care of us. If it's not yours, don't touch it. This is, this is self-control with our hands. James chapter, uh, excuse me, before I go to James chapter three, uh, it, says, uh, it says that wisdom, she took it, and, and then she says she ate it, our mouth. Self-control in four different ways. Our eyes, our thoughts, our hands, and our mouth. James chapter three and verse two, one of the most interesting verses in the Bible. It says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, check this out, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Every other area of our lives would be controlled and we could learn to control if we would learn to control our tongues. Here's what we do. We, we, we say we're forgiven and we sing we need you, we need you. Then we, we get behind closed doors and next thing you know, we're being all negative about what so-and-so said at the job. And then we, we, we come back, I need you, oh, I need. Then we get home, and next thing you know, we get, on, we get in the truck. We don't even get home. We get in the truck. We're singing, I need you, I need you, I need you. We get in the truck, and we're, next thing you know, somebody cuts us off, and we're giving, them, we're giving them the bird. You know what I'm saying? We say, oh, I'm going to be praying for you, brother. Oh, sister, I'm going to be praying for you in church. Oh, oh, I'm going to be praying for you. Then we get in and we get in the closure. Oh, can you believe what so-and-so is doing? I can't believe, I can't. That is not what I, the Bible doesn't say that. And we, we start to gossip. 
it's so easy to allow our words to just become vomit because we don't pay attention to what we're saying when God is saying you self-control, meaning this, shut the door and lock the door. Protect your mouth. Here's what's interesting. We'll, 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 we'll be doing all this thing praising and we close the door and we start gossiping things and then we think, I'm coming over here. If you can't see me over there, I'm over here. We think because we're behind closed doors. We think just because the people can't hear me, the people I'm talking about, people I'm gossiping about, people I'm slandering, people I'm making fun of, people I'm mocking, people that I'm negative about, just because we're behind closed doors, we feel safe because we can do it. But here's what's interesting. Just because the door is closed doesn't mean God's not in the room. He still hears it. Just because someone else doesn't, doesn't mean he doesn't. And here's the thing. That's the only blessing we're going to receive is being negative with our mouths. I want to be a person that uses self-control. I'm saying I need you, yeah, but I've closed the door and locked the door to control my mouth so that I can continue to receive the blessing and the life that God has for me. Self-control with our eyes, with our hands, with our mouth, and with our thoughts. And here's what's interesting. This is a thought God gave me this week. We oftentimes, we do this so much so. We're here, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. And here's what's interesting. This is, let's say this is the front door. There's a house. We're going to go to this illustration. There's a house filled with rooms, filled with blessings, and filled with incredible relationships on the other side of the door but we are so stuck at being at the front door, we never get to receive the blessings that we desire in our lives. We're so stuck on being in and out, in and out, in and out with our lust, in and out with our lust, in and out, we never get to receive the relationship that God has for us in the future because we're so stuck at the front door. Here's what I would tell you. This is why when God says, hey, I want you to use self-control, it's not because he's a God that is mean and doesn't want you to have fun and wants you to be all stuck up. That's not it at all. He wants to give you a life that is so much greater than the small foxes that we are dealing with. And I know people that have dealt with the small foxes for 20 years and they're still stuck at the front door and they can't receive and get the blessings that they really want, the joy that they're really looking for, the peace that they really desire because they're still stuck with the small foxes at the front door. And all it is is God saying, hey, you self-control. There is so much, hear me. There is so much beyond. There is such a life beyond of blessing, of relationship, of of health, of peace, of joy, beyond the front door of the small foxes. This is why it's, it's so vital that we would evaluate our hearts and say, where are the small foxes? Because I don't want the small foxes to destroy the vine the vine of my life and the future that God has for me. Genesis chapter three and verse six, very quickly. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Interesting. Adam, you gotta love Adam. 
ladies, you gotta love us. We're, 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 a, little, we're a little dumb-dumb sometimes. Adam is hanging out. She hands him the fruit. Boom, he takes it. No questions asked. Now, here's what's interesting. Adam was in the distance, arm's reach of where she could bite the apple, eat it, and then hand it to him. So here's what's interesting. He was an arm's length, meaning he could hear the same conversation she was having and the same things that were being said. Meaning he heard it too, and he wanted it as well. He wanted this, the, the apple, he desired as well, and so he didn't say anything because he wanted it. Interesting, because if Adam would have really been the accountability that Eve needed, all she, he would have had to say is, don't listen to that, don't, that's not what God said, don't grab that, don't touch that, and then they both would have walked on. But Adam, being in the same situation, desiring the same things, they both took it. What does this show me? I'm glad you asked. I wrote this down if you're taking notes. Believers have accountability that stand around. Disciples have accountability that speak up. He didn't say anything. He left it alone. Why? Because he was in the same mess and the same desires she was. See, oftentimes what we do, human nature, we look for people to help us be accountable that are in the same situation we are. So then when we mess up, we don't feel as bad because so do they. But it's interesting, the Bible says, check this out, Luke chapter 17 and verse three, it says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If your brother sins, rebuke him. Rebuke is a strong word. If your brother sins, speak up. Don't just hang around and say, oh man, you know what? It's gonna be all right, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh man, we'll, we'll catch him next time. That's great, you can encourage, but accountability is not just confession. See, we mix up the two. We mix up confession and accountability. Confession is I'm exposing it and bring it to the light. That's great. That's the, that's the beginning process. But accountability is then I'm gonna hold you accountable to a standard in a different way than just, oh, you told me you did something wrong. See, confession is great, but it takes an accountability of someone to speak up in our lives that will help us navigate and, and operate the way God has called us to live. Accountability, say it this way, is meant to be not just confession where, oh man, I fell into some lust. Okay, man, me too. All right, man, let's work on it together. Oh man, I got angry this week. Oh yeah, me too. That's great. Accountability is meant to be a person in your life or people in your life that help keep you accountable in the process of self-control that you have already set up in, with your small foxes. You, you know your small foxes, your, per, your accountability person doesn't. Your small foxes, you set up, up self-control and what works for you. And so then after you set up self-control, the practical application of what you are gonna do to keep the door closed, to lock the door, the practical application to do that, then your accountability person then knows the practical application and what you are trying to do. And then they come in and speak up, hey, have you done dot, dot, dot today? Not just confession, oh man, I messed up. Oh man, it's me too. All right, let's pray, let's pray. That's great, that's confession. There's, that's health, that's healthy. But that's not the end result of accountability. Accountability is then now the maturity of, now I'm gonna help you stay accountable to the process of you literally carrying out and walking out and living with, with self-control in your life. So here's the question. Who are you accountable to in your life?
Because I'll tell you this, and I believe this. I really do. Without accountability, we'll never get rid of the small foxes. And it's healthy. It's not this condemning like, oh, man, you just want everybody to know my secrets. No, I love it. It says, if your brother sins, rebuke him, meaning someone close to you. If someone in relationship with you, someone that's, doesn't mean just get up and just tell, share all your news with everybody. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm like someone, someone you know cares about you, someone that you know that loves you, someone that you know desires to walk with you. Hey, these are things I'm walking through. That's confession. Hey, I've set this up in my life. I wanna make sure that I'm doing this, this, this. And so now this person calls you or talks to you or, or helps you. Hey, have you done this today? Helps keep you accountable to walk out the process that you have already set up in your life. Does that make sense? Because this is what accountability does. If locking the door, if Jesus is the one that closes the door, he's the one that gives us new life. If, if locking the door is allowing us to have self-control, then here's what it is. And then now, this, if this is the accountability, here it is. Now, I lock the door, okay? Now, I have the keys. Now, accountability is this. Now, he's helping me from ever unlocking that door again. But if I do it on my own, here's what's going to happen. If I do it on my own, I have the keys. Oh, God, forgives me. Oh, God, I'm, give me the strength. Oh, God, help me. I got it. I got it. Oh, God. Uh, and somebody, somebody does something stupid at, jo- at the job. Next year, you, you, you blowing up. Ah! Why? Because you know, you, you, we've not set up the correct accountability in our lives. And this is the purpose of accountability. It's not just to say, hey, we're in the same boat. Hey, uh, it's, we're, not, we're in the same boat. It's that, hey, I want you to help me walk this out. This is why it's so important. Hey, listen, they both wanted the same fruit. When you're looking for someone to help keep you accountable, you need to look for someone that is not dealing and eating the same fruit you are. If you're looking, if you're negative and you gossip, don't go to somebody that gossips and say, hey, I need you to help me with gossip. No, because then you're gonna both end up gossiping. If you deal with lust, don't go to somebody that you know is dealing with lust. And, hey, man, girl, hey, I'm dealing with this lust. Yeah, me too. Next thing you know, you're just gonna both be lusting. Go to someone that's not dealing with the same fruit you are. Then they can hold on to those keys and help you find the victory that you desire in your life and help you live the life that you want to live. This is why it's so important. Walking in purity is not just because God doesn't want us to have fun. No, it's because he knows there is such an incredible life that he has set up for us. And we will never reach the future that he has for us when we're stuck with the small foxes. Accountability. As I close very quickly, I promise. Genesis chapter three and verse seven. The moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. This is what sin does. Gets us to a place where we begin to hide, begin to cover ourselves. And I wrote this down. Believers hide their struggles. Disciples confess their struggles. We would confess. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we claim we have no sin, we are already fooling ourselves, not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. He's just to forgive us. We just have to confess it, the Bible says. 
Not just confess it to each other, but confess it to him. This is what it is. Give me the, give me the keys. Give me the, yeah, I need the keys. Thank you, bud. Appreciate you. There you go. You're going to get that? Because I'm not getting that. Okay, appreciate that. Appreciate, I'm joking with you. Thanks, man. Okay, here. This is, this is what happens. So now, no matter how many times we do this, no matter how many times we do it, every time we're here, we confess, God, I need you. God, forgive me. Every single time, he's, the Bible says he's just and he's faithful, and he'll close that door. Every single time. That's why this message is not condemning. A lot of times people can think of purity messages as condemning. This is not condemning at all. This is a, a message of encouragement that no matter how many times you've walked through the same situation, no matter how long we've dealt with the same foxes, we serve a God who is so faithful and so just that every time we ask him, he closes the door and we're made new. This is why it's so vital that we would understand the, 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 the incredible gift of confession, that no matter how many times we're here, and 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 we're here. Every time he is a God that loves us so much that when we confess to him that we need him, he closes the door and gives us new life. It's the incredible God that we serve. It's not condemning. It's encouraging. Why is it encouraging? Because God knows the traps of the small foxes. God knows, I'll say it this way, God knows the, the shattered life. God knows the brokenness. God knows the shame. He knows the guilt. He knows the condemnation. He knows the isolation of the small foxes. And so what does he do? He gives us these tools to equip us to remove ourselves from the small foxes or continue to walk away from the small foxes called self-control. Here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. What are the small foxes? Because I know this, we'll never defeat what we can't define. What are the small foxes in your life? Because God has, hear me, I'm, I, I believe it with a thousand times over, God has a life on the other side of your self-control that is something you could never imagine. He has a relationship with your spouse greater than anything you could imagine in your life. He has blessings and opportunities and open doors that are so incredible on the other side of our self-control. Now hear me, don't get stuck if you hear nothing else today, don't get stuck at the front door. Be someone who really is one that is mature in Christ to the point of where you say, you know what? I'm going to confess it. And after I confess it, I'm going to find someone to help me be accountable to this because I really do want the life that he has for me. This is what walking in purity is. It's not some over-spiritual, deep, crazy, hard thing that we can't reach or we can't obtain. No, it's, a, it's literally a walk with him that's called purity. And as we walk with each other, as we use self-control, and as we confess it to him, he allows us to find 
the life that we truly desire. This is what walking in purity truly is. Amen. Would you stand with me as we pray today?